This podcast is a part of the Dragon Suplex Podcast Network. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and visit us at chopskicksandnearfalls.com for daily articles about wrestling from around the globe. This is the Wrestling with Edwards podcast with your host, Scotty Wrestling. This week is episode number 28 on the books, and we have plenty in store. We're going to start off by powering through both SmackDown and Raw because those are really not the topics at hand this week. We're going to discuss what happened on NXT's major double championship show, which turned into three, as well as AEW Revolution and Dynamite. We will have not much stardom this week as it was a busy week. I didn't get to watch too much, but you know, they just got back. They only had one show over the weekend as is. So it'll be a matter of, you know, next week we'll jump back in. The only thing I have to say is Julia looks badass with the new look. And if you haven't seen her yet, go and uh, find it because she looks incredible. Now let's start off with SmackDown here. SmackDown was uh, main evented by Daniel Bryan and Jey Uso in a steel cage match. Daniel Bryan is determined to show the world that he is the best wrestler in the world once again. And if he wins this match against Jey Uso, he will go on to Fastline to face the Universal Champion Roman Reigns for that in that championship. I don't know what I was going to try to say there. Uh, this match was really good. Um, as expected, Daniel Bryan and Jey Uso had another great match. It's There's something to be said here about the small little rivalry they've had over the past few months. Uh, Jey Uso has been fantastic since being propelled into the role of main event Jey. And my only question is, do they just kind of forget it when Jimmy comes back? I, I hope not. I hope not because I think Jey has worked really hard to be in the spot, to be a feared guy. Like, if he was the one to beat Big E for the title, I wouldn't even be shocked. And I would be okay with that because what he's been doing is fantastic. So as I was saying, they have the steel cage match. Daniel Bryan walked out the winner. He hit the yes chance at the top of the cage in a very cool moment. And... I'm starting to think Daniel Bryan has a real chance of being in this WrestleMania match between Roman Reigns and Edge. I think a triple threat could be the way to go because, you know, you're going to have this live crowd and I don't I don't see a spot for Daniel Bryan unless it's just a tag team partner of Cesaro against Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy. I don't think that's a WrestleMania type match. I think... I think Cesaro and Seth Rollins should face off singles at WrestleMania. And I think Daniel Bryan being in this championship match, whether it be entering as champion or just as, you know, one of the competitors who got screwed out of a win. I think there's a story to be told here and that would be a great match. I think it would, you know, benefit all three to work off each other. I don't think we necessarily need an edge singles match for a championship. I think, think even though he won the Royal Rumble and I know wrestling you know historians and purists will say well this needs to be a singles match it's going to be the main event to WrestleMania not necessarily I think adding Daniel Bryan is never a bad thing to any sort of match 
And this is another case. This is another case where I really do think him entering that match in some form is a brilliant idea. Uh, the only two other things we have from SmackDown this past week was Reginald was fired by Carmella and seems to be with Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler right now. Um, Reginald has, you know, been a decent part of SmackDown past weeks, but he doesn't need to be involved in the Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair build anymore. I think that needs to be removed because these two can tell a wonderful story without him in it. Um, they get a tag team title match once again at Fastlane, so we'll see how that goes. Finally, Apollo Crews. Apollo Crews, two weeks ago, came out with a whole new gimmick as he embraced his Nigerian descent. Um, you know, he started wearing this, you know, pretty sweet gear. Um, I mean, I think it's sweet gear. But this week he had two... Followers, I believe it's the twins from NXT. I'm not, I'm not really sure what their names are, but I believe it's them. And he had a spear. And I'm just wondering why. Like, I like the idea that Apollo can have this, you know, character that he can dig into that's, you know, from his heart, I guess. But. I don't know, I feel like he doesn't need to be a heel to have this character, if that makes sense. Um, I think it's a cool character, and he started talking with an accent this week. And I I liked that because it gives him a chance to, you know, be himself and eat into a character that he's never really had. But my only problem is, why does it always have to be a heel? I saw... Um, Phil Lindsay of Daily DDT point this out on Twitter. That why is it every time someone embraces their heritage, especially a person of color, that do they have to be heel in WWE? And, you know, it got me thinking, and I want to ask the question myself. Why does that have to always be the case? Why? Um, I think this would be an easy character to cheer for because he's embracing himself. Why does that have to be a bad thing? Now, I think him and Apollo, him and Big E are going to have a great match at Fastlane when that comes, and I'm happy they're building up Big E. Uh, not Big E. Well, I'm happy they're building up Big E. But I'm happy they're building up Apollo. I just don't understand why it took so long to give him a character like this if this is something he's comfortable with and why it had to be healed. That's all. That's all. But yeah, that is my thoughts from SmackDown. Nothing too crazy, really, because, you know, it wasn't necessarily a major show. SmackDown's still pretty good, but has slowed down in recent weeks, which is weird because, you know, we're going to WrestleMania, but... Fast lane, fast lane, fast lane is a real bump in the road, you know. So, kind of just have to get through that. Then we'll be good. Uh, well, you should have the preview next week for that pay per view because it's already back. Monday Night Raw kicked off with a passionate promo from the Miz about losing, and everyone considers him a joke still, even though he's a two-time champion. Yada yada yada, but. The best part of this entire show, best part of Raw, was Bobby Lashley's freaking new entrance. This felt like a big deal. They have, like, this lightning that crashes down um, onto the stage. Fireworks explode. You watch this, like, little montage video of him just absolutely destroying people in the ring. And then you have this big figure that says Almighty and, you know, it, it looked phenomenal. It, he he feels like the rightful WWE champion. That's important. He is the WWE champion, but sometimes in the past, you have a champion, especially the world champion, that just doesn't fit the build sometimes. The Miz is a perfect case. 
Bobby Lashley fits the build in every single way. Bobby Lashley is interesting. Bobby Lashley is on top of his game. Bobby Lashley is in the right spot for the first time in his WWE career. He's worked so hard to get here, and I don't want to see it end. If we're going to do him and Drew at WrestleMania, which is clear what we're doing, he should retain. I think Bobby Lashley deserves a real reign as WWE champion. He fits the build. He is the man. And everything the Hurt Business has been touching turns into gold. So please, please, please keep this going. This entrance is going to be great at WrestleMania, by the way. Uh, He destroyed The Miz in a rematch for the WWE Championship. Not really shocking. Um, The Miz did get a little offense this time, but not, not enough. Um, we had another fight between McIntyre and Sheamus, which was pretty physical. Um, it ended up leading to no one winning, which was, you know, just a lead to Fastlane, where, you know, the winner will probably be the number one contender for the title, which would make a lot of sense. I think that would be a smart match to do, and it would be a good blow-off for this feud. Uh, Shane McMahon and Braun Strowman had the worst segment we have seen in years. Probably since Bailey, This Is Your Life. That is how bad this segment was. Shane McMahon walks out to the ring as Braun Strowman's waiting for him, huffing and puffing, can't speak, can't do much. Tries to talk on the microphone. Doesn't seem like he has any competence in the world to actually speak. Just to waste 10 minutes because they needed to fill showtime and call Braun stupid. This is what feud we're building towards for WrestleMania. And the basis around it is that Shane McMahon is calling Braun Strowman stupid. What? What? Just absolute trash. Just absolute trash. That's what this is. The feud's dead to me already. I have no interest in this match. Zero. I didn't have interest in it to begin with, but a good build can give you interest. This ruined it. Nope. None. Zero interest. Zip. Uh, Charlotte Flair is probably going to face Asuka for the Women's Championship at WrestleMania. The sky is also blue. The grass is also green. Snow is white. Get the picture. So on Raw Talk, we had a very interesting promo. Something that... You know, has never failed to deliver these talking smack, raw talk promos. They continuously deliver. And Peyton Royce had her chance. She got very emotional on the promo, talked about how, you know, sometimes... You take a bet on yourself and you have all this potential. You feel like you have this potential, but you're held back by others for the same old, same old. And this was a promo that a lot of other underutilized stars have used. In the end, she turned it to saying, give me Asuka, but really it was give me a shot. Give me a shot to show why I deserve to be on this show each and every single week. Peyton Royce is a talented individual. She's very talented. Very, very talented. And I think something that people forget is, you know, when the Iconics were broken up, a lot of people thought it would be her shining. That was the point of breaking them up in the first place. You know, and taking her away from Billy, Billy away from her. Billy's been the one shining on SmackDown, you know, in her comedic, I'm looking for a friend role. 
Peyton's done nothing. She teamed with Lacey Evans for a few minutes there, which was weird. Um, Peyton has a lot of things going for her. She can go in the ring. She looks apart, and she's able to talk. This this showed you that. I think this should be one way to propel Peyton Royce because you need to build stars. That should always be the goal in WWE is to build stars. And we've seen a lot in the past of these angered individuals getting on these shows and showing that, you know what, I'm not sitting down and taking this. And that could be a problem because of how many people are doing it every single week. Or that could be a solution. I don't know. They have so much talent in this company that it doesn't fit on every single show. It should fit on Raw when I have to see Shane fucking McMahon do the shit he does. But for some reason, on three-hour Raws, we can't get time for... Keith Lee, or Aleister Black, or Andrade, or Peyton Royce, or the list goes on and on and on. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. The problem with WWE is that one man fills his needs and no one else's. There's no way, no way, this is breaking into something way off Peyton Royce, but Peyton Royce woke me up and made me realize something. Keith Lee is being held back. There's no shadow of doubt. You know, they called it an injury, but I think it's more than an injury now. I think Vince McMahon doesn't get Keith Lee. And the fact that he doesn't get Keith Lee means that he is out of touch. Aleister Black, you know, Dave Meltzer said on his um, show this week that Aleister Black's going to sit in catering until his contract's up. Unless Vince McMahon has a major change of heart. What a joke. Aleister Black was huge. In NXT. Triple H went out of his way to make sure the world knew how good Aleister Black was. How special Aleister Black was. And now he's sitting and catering doing nothing? What? What? It's just an absolute joke. And Andrade. I don't even understand the Andrade situation. Andrade's engaged to the... Biggest star on Raw in Vince McMahon's eyes, Charlotte Flair. You would think that would help Andrade. And she's pitched to work with Andrade. So I don't understand what we're doing here. I don't. I don't. There's a lot of problems. Monday Night Raw shows them every week because I just named all these talents. I don't even know what show Aleister Black is on. He might be on SmackDown. Doesn't really fucking matter. But I know Andrade's on Raw. Actually, Andrade didn't even get drafted in the draft, so I have no idea what team he's on. Um, I know Keith Lee's on Raw. I know Peyton Royce is on Raw. You, you see the picture here? This is There's a reason we have all these conversations every week after a Raw talk or smack, talking smack. And it's because of the problem at hand. And that is booking of one man and one man only. And until that changes, we are going to see talent wasted and wasted in their prime years, hoping to get out of their contracts. And that's not the way this should go. This is not the way this should be ran. We're done with the Raw and SmackDown talk for this week. On to NXT before the big AEW breakdown. We had a major, major night. You know, William Regal went from having one announcement to two. Two. So that's instantly big as is. Then you have Io Shirai defending her NXT Women's Championship against Tony Storm. Another major match. Io Shirai has never beaten Tony Storm in NXT. Never. Not once in a singles match. That's big. And then you have the, what some would say, the two greatest men's superstars of all time in the history of NXT. Finn Balor, Adam Cole, NXT Championship. That's what you had last night. That's how big this show was. 
and let's you know let's dive into it. William Regal kicks off to announce the first ever two night takeover special event. NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. I actually don't hate the name. Uh, I think it's kind of cool. The whole purpose of the show was for the first time ever, this great brand gets to represent and stand and deliver for two nights. Um, So those will be... The first night will happen on the USA Network Wednesday, um, April 6th or 7th. Right before WrestleMania, then the next, then the next night, night two will happen on Peacock only. So, instantly, instantly, you feel that it's it's big for NXT. You're gonna get a lot of matches. You're gonna get a lot of shine for a lot of special talents, and I think that's very exciting. And the second announcement was the biggest announcement, clearly, by a mile, which was the first ever. NXT Women's Tag Team Championships. William Regal made the point that he's done waiting. He's done waiting for other people to make decisions for him. So, he introduced these titles. He crowned Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez the very first champions due to their win in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. And, we already got a match for them. Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart challenged them. Immediately, they accepted and we already have a new pair of tag team champions, ladies and gentlemen. Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, the new NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. And this was shocking to many. But it really didn't shock me. I kind of had a feeling because I didn't know how long they were going to try to keep Raquel out of the NXT Women's title picture. Because clearly they see big things for her. And, you know, you would think she would be the one to defeat Io Shirai, even though I would have no one defeat Io Shirai ever. Um, So, yeah, Shotzi and Ember Moon, and they get to run the brand, which is very exciting, I think, because they weren't in the main title picture, but they could be really good champions to identify these titles with. They're on every single week. And what's important is they're probably going to have killer matches with this. They've already set up the first feud in like a little brush by Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell were upset that they weren't the first champions or weren't holding the title. So that's clearly going to be where we are at NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. And I think that's going to be a great tag team match. So as I said, Io Shirai earlier, she challenged Raquel Gonzalez. She walked up to Raquel Gonzalez. After her match where she defeated Tony Storm and said, I want you next. And I think the greatness of Io Shirai's reign as NXT Women's Champion has been her ability to be the alpha in any situation. She's not scared of a challenge. She instead gives the challenge. She's not someone that waits for people to come to her. She goes and gets them. She challenged Rhea Ripley. She challenged Tony Storm. She challenged Mercedes Martinez. Now she's challenging Raquel Gonzalez. And I think this is a match that many of us can agree there's a real chance the NXT title is changed over. Um, You know, Raquel is someone, again, that they believe in big time. And, you know, you see it every week. She is a star in the making, and it makes all the sense in the world. But to me, I don't know why... This Io Shirai run hasn't felt stale yet. It feels fresh still. And I know she's run through most of the division. The best women's division in the United States, by the way. She's ran through it. It's one of the most impressive runs WWE has had in a very long time. Because she beats talented individual as a talented individual. And she challenged Raquel because Raquel has a pinfall victory over her in war games. So when Io's eyes, it's time for her to make do with that and get her win back. That's that's really the best part about Io Shirai's reign, again, is that she's not afraid of anyone. She's ready to take on any challenge. 
And when the time comes, which will probably be stand to deliver, I would have to think we're going to have a new NXT Women's Champion, even though I think Io Shirai still has plenty of work to do in NXT with that title around her waist. So, to the main event. Finn Balor versus Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. Again, doesn't get bigger than this. When it comes to the men's division, it doesn't get bigger than this. And back and forth, these two went. There was a real opportunity as we came down the stretch that it looked like Adam Cole was going to take home the championship. He hits the last shot to the jaw of Finn Balor. Finn Balor kicks out. He hits the Panama City Sunrise on Finn Balor. Finn Balor kicks out. Finn Balor, Finn Balor. I can't say enough good things about him. His reign as NXT champion has been fantastic. And this is where we get to the final stretch. Adam Cole's on the outside trying to get his morals back. And this is when Kyle O'Reilly reappears. He's dressed in just street clothes, staring down Adam's soul. And this gives Finn Balor the chance to go on the offensive, take out Adam Cole via 1916 on the floor. Hits the coup de grace to retain the championship. And this is when Kyle O'Reilly gets his shot at beating down Adam Cole, baby. He beats him down, uh, fights him, throws him around, and that's when they just keep fighting to the back. Finn Balor standing in the ring, and we hear him say, What took you so long? Karrion Cross is next. It will be Finn Balor versus Karrion Cross. Probably the main event of night two at NXT. Stand and deliver. Take over at stand and deliver. And this is the match that we've all been waiting for. You know, Finn Balor has created this great run as champion. Karrion Cross had his title for three days before he had to give it up. This is the match in NXT. Like, we've seen the Finn and Adam Cole a few times now. This is this is the match in NXT right now. And I don't know who wins because you can send Karrion Cross to the main roster today and it feels right. You can send Finn Balor back to the main roster today and he'll fit right in. I think Cross has a better shot up there. And I think Kyle needs to win this title. I guess that's not going to be from Finn, so Cross may make sense. But I am looking forward to how they structure this feud. Uh, because they're both very good storytellers, um, both Cross and Balor. I don't expect the match to be like the greatest thing of all time, but I am excited. I am excited to see where this goes. NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver is looking like a very promising pay-per-view. Now, let's get into the AEW Revolution pay-per-view. We're going to hit you with a review right now. And my my big thing is... This they had a better match on Dynamite this week than they did on the entire Revolution pay per view, which is not great, not great at all. So we have the buy in Thunder Rosa and Riho were set to face Dr. Britt Baker and Rebel. Rebel was injured, so. Who could be Britt Baker's partner? It was Maki Ito. What a wonderful surprise for everyone in attendance, for everyone watching around the world. Seeing Maki there, she looked so happy. She sang her way to the ring. It was an absolute blessing. It was it was a legitimate surprise that no one no one could have expected. Not a single soul. And I think that's the best thing. I think that's the best part about this buy-in match. It was a solid match. Um, two and three-quarter stars. Nothing super special, but it was a fun match. And Maki and Britt got the win. You had the Casino Tag Team Battle Royal, which was really good. Last week I picked Pack and Phoenix because I didn't see anything 
that would have made sense in having those two run the shit and look strong doing it. And that's what happened. That's what happened. They won the whole thing. They had a great closing sequence between Jungle Boy and Phoenix, where Phoenix ultimately won the match for his team. But my oh my, uh, AEW so loaded. And I think their problem is they don't understand who is... They don't fully understand what they have with certain people yet. Yes, Phoenix and Pac winning the tag team battle royal is a great win for them, but like they both should be singles megastars. They should both be in singles matches on these pay-per-views. Um, we had Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor versus Miro and Kip Sabian. This match sucked. It was awful. Um, it was useless. No one gave a shit. Uh, and, um, Miro and Kip Sabian won, which was, like, a guarantee. The Young Bucks versus Chris Jericho and MJF actually kicked off the show. Um, I thought it was a good match, you know, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing super, just a fine tag team match where the Young Bucks won, successfully defended. Um, again, nothing great. Hangman Page versus Matt Hardy went way too long. I feel like Hangman Page should not have to take 15 minutes to beat the 2021 version of Matt Hardy. But, you know, pop off because it's a pay-per-view, so we have to have long matches. Cody Rhodes versus Scorpio Sky versus Lance Archer versus Penta El Cero Miedo. Versus Max Caster versus the debuting Ethan Page. All to be known as the face of the revolution in the TNT Championship number one contenders ladder match. This match was good, but it wasn't as good as I thought it could be. I think not having a guy like a Phoenix in there, you know, takes away from it because while all these individuals are pretty talented, they don't they they don't have that super wow factor that you want in your ta- in your ladder matches. That's just me again. Um, Pentagon looked really well good in here. Um, Ethan Page had a few shining moments. Lance Archer looked good, strong. They focused on Cody's arm shoulder because that's what was injured but you know it was just meh um, Scorpio Sky walked up the winner I predicted it right making me brilliant yada 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 whoop de freaking do okay uh, you know this pay- this pay-per-view was a real miss it was a real miss. Um, now, my my favorite match from the show was the women's championship match between Ryo Muzanami and champion Hikaru Shida. I think they had a really, really fun bout. And the only slight problem was the end. Because sometimes when you thought it was over, it wasn't over. And... It kind of was just a weird ending, but, and this is a big but, I thought it was really good. I thought it was really good. It's a credit to Shida, who's been a great champion for AEW. It's a credit for Muzanami, who has come over and instantly been a fan favorite and a shining star. Um, I give this match three and a half stars. It was very good. Uh, the last two matches to talk about here are the cinematic tag team street fight between Brian Cage, Ricky Starks versus Sting, and Darby Allen. I thought this was, you know, one of the better cinematic matches. Now, I don't think it was a sun, anything special in my mind because you had all of Team Taz except for Taz himself. Fighting Sting, who's a 61-year-old man, and Darby Allen, who, you know, pretty sure is outweighed by everyone on Team Taz besides Hook. And Sting and Darby Allen walked out as the winners. 
Um, that, you know, was never a question, but it's weird booking. It's very weird booking. And I wonder what is next for Sting and Team Taz. We know what's next for Darby Allen as we will get to the Dynamite preview, but otherwise it's it's a little bit confusing in my mind. But again, this match was fine. Um, one of the better cinematic matches, but at the same time, I don't know, I'm kind of over the cinematic stuff. And finally, the main event of the evening, Kenny Omega faces John Moxley for the AEW World Championship in an exploding barbed wire Deathmatch. I'm not a major fan of exploding death matches, barbed wire. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of that. And I wasn't a fan of their unsanctioned match that they had. But I came into this with a positive mind, and I walked out pretty entertained. Um, I thought they did really good at just kicking each other's ass. They This wasn't a story-built match. It was more of just a war between two good rivals. And what they were willing to go through for the entertainment of others is absolutely insane. Again, I I enjoyed it in the fact that it was better than their first crazy match, but uh, it's just not for me. It's not for me. I don't understand the exploding stuff. The barbed wire, the barbed wire gets me. I, I understand that pain. I see it. But the exploding stuff, it's a cool visual. That's what that is to me. That's what it looked like, at least in AEW, it looked like a cool visual, nothing more. Um, and so Kenny wins, of course, because duh, has the good brothers help him. And at the count of 30, the explosion of the ring would go off. <laughs> and Eddie Kingston came out to save John Moxley, which is great of him. He wanted to save his friend. He finally, you know, flipped the switch, wanted to save his friend. And as they're counting down... Three, two, one. Eddie jumps on top of John's uh, face to protect him. And this shitty-ass Gilberg entrance-like explosion went off. Twitter roasted it for days. They wondered, how are they going to make this look better? Because it was so bad. It was so, so bad. It was, it was clearly a messed up. Because Kane's entrance is more of a explosion than what this was. Like, it was not even close to being as good as Kane's entrance. It was bad. It was really bad. No one was fooled. Poor Eddie Kingston showed that he was... Dead. Like, he didn't move in there. He wasn't moving. And how how was he going to talk his way out of this? Well, we're going to get to Dynamite in a second. Um, the only news from this week is that Kenny Omega will be facing the Impact World slash TNA World Champion at Rebellion in a title versus title match. And there is a very good chance Kenny Omega is walking out with two more world titles. Kenny Omega is now the belt collector, and that is pretty insane. So let's get to Dynamite. Let's get to AEW Dynamite, which I thought was the another solid show by them. We kick off the show with Ray Phoenix versus Matt Jackson in a singles match. This is Matt Jackson's first singles match since 2016. Pretty crazy. 
these two had what I will call my match of the week, as we said. We're going to keep that going. This was my match of the week. I thought these two tore the house down. And, you know, I wasn't shocked because Phoenix was in it. But Matt Jackson is a very good wrestler. You know, when he's not in a tag team, which is very rare, he's a very good wrestler. And this was another case of very much entertaining wrestling. No complaints here, once again. Uh, you know, the back and forth, the insaneness, and the ending was perfect. So Matt Jackson gets him up for a Meltzer Driver Tombstone, Indie Taker, whatever the hell you want to call it. And Phoenix turns it around into his spike pile driver. One, two, three. Phoenix wins the match. This was, again, this was great. Four stars. This is better than anything in Revolution. Anything. And this was only slightly better than Finn Balor versus Adam Cole, in my mind. But this was better than anything on your freaking pay-per-view that you built. You have four pay-per-views a year. Four. Four. And you build them up to be like that, and you get this? Insane. So, as I said, great match. Can't wait for this tag team match. It's going to tear the house down whenever they do it. John Moxley, Eddie Kingston. That is important. Because, as I said, how are they going to talk themselves out of that mess? And Eddie Kingston, God bless him, he is a talented man for a reason. He says, you can make fun of me. I don't care. I had a moment of shock that, you know, took me out. I remembered when I was in my jail cell and those cops were walking by as I was trying to plead my way out of prison. He got hit by that shock. The only time he felt that shock was in prison, he said. And he felt it all over again. And it was... It was a class act. John Moxley, you know, he was already taken out, so, like, his wasn't as bad. Um, and he made it fun of it after the show. But there's something to be said about what two very talented talkers can do. And Kenny and Don Callis were able to turn it the other way, making fun of them. They said they did it to embarrass them. They did it to embarrass the looks of them, um, they made fun of it with a timer that was going off in front of Eddie Kingston when he walked out there. And Kenny yells, and I quote, 69 me, Don. And I was like, what the hell? I, it was, it was wild. Um, this was, of course, after Kenny walked out when Christian Cage, who signed with AEW at Revolution, Christian Cage, yes, was supposed to have mic time. Um, so Eddie Kingston, again, as I said, walked out there to stand up for himself. He started fighting with Gallows and Anderson. That's when John Moxley made his way out. They fought off Gallows and Anderson, which will be a match next week, by the way. Can't wait for that. And that's when the music hits. Christian Cage walks out there, stares down Kenny Omega. Attempts to hit the unprettier on Omega. Uh, I believe it's called the kill switch, but I don't know if we're still calling that. So you, you know what it is. Um, Don Callis pulls Omega up, and Christian Cage holds up the AEW World Championship on his first night on Dynamite. He holds it up, stares at it, and walks out. We have still yet to hear him speak. But my, oh my. Is this entertaining? There's something to be told about what could come from this. And we have a lot of interesting ways. We have Kenny versus Eddie. We have Christian versus Kenny. Christian fucking Cage versus Kenny Omega. Who the hell thought that was going to happen? Especially when Christian returned in the Royal Rumble. Like who thought this was going to happen? There's a lot of good stuff happening. Um. We'll take a step back. Cody had a match against Seth Gargas. Um, easy win. 
And this is when he, you know, got on the promo and Pentagon, you know, who was on um, the Spanish announce table, I believe, for Dynamite, steps up and starts, you know, telling Cody off and saying, if it had been a singles match instead of just a six-person ladder match, I would have destroyed you. They were building something that, you know, was kind of out of nowhere, but it was exciting. And... I was intrigued, and then they ended by saying, if I have a step in a ring with you, Pentagon says, I'm going to break your arm so you can't pick up your newborn child. That's when Cody snaps. He goes to fight Pentagon in the stands, and we're getting this match next week on St. Patrick's Day Slam on Thursday night. Um, That's a good time to note that we will not be having our show until Friday. It will be out until Friday just so we can record the AEW portion because that's going to be a big show. Um, we have the Women's Tag Team Championship. Maki Ito is back, her Dynamite debut. And my, oh my, she is singing her entrance as fighting is going on. It's an image you have to see. The other team, which is Thunder Rosa, Ryo Mizunami, and Hikaru Shida are beating up on... Nyla Rose and Britt Baker, who are Ito's partners. But nope, nope, you can't stop Maki from singing her theme song. Sings the whole thing on stage, does the dancing. While they're fighting around the ring, it was pure entertainment. Then she smashes Hikaru Shida with the, on the head with her microphone. And unfortunately, it was Maki Ito who took the pin against Thunder Rosa. But after the match, Britt Baker beat down Thunder Rosa, locked on the lockjaw. And next week, for the first time ever, the women will main event AEW Dynamite as Britt Baker takes on Thunder Rosa in an unsanctioned lights-out match. That's exciting. That's very exciting because I love their first match. I can only imagine that this match will be hectic, and I think they can go really far with this in a good way. Um, the only few other things we have to touch on are, you know, kind of big. Um, Matt Hardy signed the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny to his brand to join him with Private Party. So I guess the family is really done between Eddie Kingston and them. They just kind of ended it. Um, Scorpio Sky versus Darby Allen was a pretty solid match for the TNT title. Darby Allen escaped with the win. Scorpio Sky turned heel in the process, beating down Darby's leg after the match. So, we're going to keep building here. Um, Sammy Guevara returns. So, this is the big part. The War Council meeting of the Inner Circle. As we know, Sammy Guevara was kicked out originally. But, Sammy Guevara appears and he says, Hey, I need you to see this, Chris. And it shows MJF attempting to turn the Inner Circle on Jericho. And it looked like he did it. Um, Guevara and Jericho got prepared to fight before Santana, Ortiz, and Hager turned around, looked at MJF, and MJF was eventually fired from the inner circle. But this is when MJF had the real reveal of the night. He goes, don't worry, I've been creating a group of my own. The lights go out, and in the ring stands FTR, Sean Spears, Wardlow, Tully Blanchard, this is his new group. A lot of people tried to say that the new Force Horsemen would be FTR, Sean Spears, and MJF. And here we are, add in Wardlow, and you have a new group. They decimated the inner circle with it all coming down to Jericho being bloodied by the AEW ring um, that MJF still has, the ring thing. I don't know. What the, I still don't understand it. Um, and... Jericho getting power-bombed off the stage through a table on the cement by Wardlow. They stood tall, and we have a new faction wars, ladies and gentlemen. It'll be the Inner Circle versus MJF's new faction, which he is clearly the leader of. And MJF is also clearly always going to be the heel. Inner Circle is now babyface. It sure looks like Sammy Guevara is back in the Inner Circle. So this is going to be our new war, ladies and gentlemen. And I think it could be entertaining. This is one way to entertain me with Inner Circle stuff because I haven't really loved it much with the MJF stuff, but I think this has potential. I think this has potential to be pretty good. 
pretty, pretty good. But that is our show for this week. I do have one announcement. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, at Scotty Rasslin, S-C-O-T-T-Y-W-R-A-S-S-L-I-N, you know that I have started a little joint competition with Ryan from Countout Pod. Um, you can check out their website. We have a competition with charity to see who can watch the most wrestling matches by the end of 2021. It's a lot of fun. The link will be in the description to see how this all goes down. But, you know, I, I plan to have Ryan on either this next week or the week after to talk about all of this, but I want you to just follow along because... Right now, the article for our favorite matches from February and full statistics is up on countoutpod.com. Um, so it's a nice little competition between me of Last Run Sports and Countoutpod. So, you know, make sure to follow that and, you know, let's see where it goes. That being said, expect a preview for Fastlane next week, AEW stuff, NXT stuff, Stardom stuff, and. New Japan stuff. So until then, be safe, wear your masks, and have a good one, everybody. また美学でしょう